let's get agreement that this is a strategic priority. That area of alignment and synergy can be very Looking important. The future, we're committed to expand valuation. time, there's still progress that needs to be made. This is Healthcare Strategies. Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. My name is Kelsey Waddell, and I am the Senior Editor of Healthpayer Intelligence and Multimedia Manager for Extelligent Healthcare Media. Although the U.S. healthcare system is a competitive environment, it has become clear in recent decades that necessary changes in healthcare, like the movements toward value-based care and health equity, will require some unlikely partnerships. Today, Joe Castiglione, Principal Program Manager at Industry Initiatives at Blue Shield of California, is here with us to share how the pair dedicated a team of employees to building stakeholder collaboration, at times, even with some of the company's own competitors. Joe, thank you so much for coming out to Healthcare Strategies today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. Glad to be here. So I thought that we could start off with setting the scene for this team and what sort of the influences were that it came out of. What have been some of the challenges that California as a state has faced in trying to bring about collaboration between different healthcare stakeholders and also Blue Shield of California specifically? Great place to start. So I actually think the way that I'd respond to this question directly ties to the whole mission and genesis behind the team that and the work that I do now as part of industry initiatives. But I'd say, you know, one of the biggest challenges that California is facing is really just how to bring stakeholders together and partner and collaborate in a meaningful way. You know, one of the great things about California is that there are so many players in the market, right? And and what that means is that there's really distributed market power. So the power of any one actor alone, the leverage of any one actor alone to drive change is, is relatively limited, right? There are a lot of other states in the country where you do have much more concentrated market power. And so a single organization gets to drive a lot of the change. It's not the case in a state of like 40 million people here in California, right? It's so big. It's so diverse, which is, you know, in my opinion, one of California's greatest strengths, but it also means that creating solutions and models and initiatives that are effective for communities can be really hard to scale, right? So many actors in the market, such a diverse state that we live in. So that's what I'd say is a really big challenge, but that is, again, those are the roots of industry initiatives and why Blue Shield of California decided to build this team. And I look forward to sharing more with you about what our team does. It's really exciting. Yeah. So, well, on that note, how did the team get started? Can you sort of give us the story of how this came about and who was involved? Of course. So our team, Industry Initiatives, were led by our director, Shruti Katari. Shruti was brought on board back in 2020. She was hired out of an idea that our CEO, Paul Markovich, and our executive vice president, Peter Long, they came together. They had this idea that in California and really in the country through writ large, there are a number of factors that really limit the ability to scale solutions that, that make a meaningful difference in, in the lives of our members and in the lives of our providers, right? The providers that we work with, that's the sort of fourth piece of the quadruple aim that is sort of emerging now. And something else we want to make sure we're keeping front of mind when we think about the system change that we're trying to achieve. Peter and Paul came together and had this idea, well, look, why don't we have a team that's dedicated wholly to industry collaboration and partnership? How do we bring these stakeholders together to work in a meaningful way to achieve our collective objectives. So the industry is rife with 
perverse incentives, right? Industry misalignment, fragmentation, unhealthy competition, right? All of these things are a direct result of a lack of collaboration, a lack of partnership among all of the actors in the space. I'd also say that there are some really good policy out there that has unintended consequences for the way that initiatives and programs and models are built. So good policy can have unintended complications or consequences that prevent the scale of effective solutions. So Peter and Paul came together and said, look, what if we had a team that directly is dedicated to addressing these two things? So industry misalignment on one side and policy movement on the other. How do we generate good policy and change policy so that it actually is supportive of those meaningful solutions that, that I keep talking about? And I'll talk more about the areas that we work in, but that's sort of the story behind it. They hired at the end of late 2020. I came on board shortly after in early 2021, and it's been off to the races ever since. Excellent. So yeah, let's, let's talk a bit more about the team itself and what you've been up to. I know that the team has three main priorities, the data sharing, payment innovation, and social determinants of health, and seeking to facilitate industry collaboration on all three of those areas, which is a lot, just to put that up front. But I'd like to walk through each of these and hear a bit about each. So starting with the data sharing, obviously, payers are seen as major aggregators of healthcare information and healthcare data. But treating that with providers can be challenging on a number of levels. And so I'd love to hear more about what have been some of the biggest barriers that you've seen in that area, and then what have been some of the breakthroughs that have been coming through the conversations that the industry initiatives team has been facilitating and bringing about? Great question. So on the data exchange piece, you know, I think there are a number of variables and factors that are specific to California that have really stymied the development of meaningful, large-scale health information exchanges and activities or entities like health information exchanges that we've seen grow and really flourish in other parts of the country and other states, right? So um, California has, has a lot of really good sort of local solutions, but nothing that really is able to sort of span the entire state. So that was one of the first areas that Peter and Paul sort of suggested that industry initiatives should take on. So it's a really good example of where we tried to move policy. Remember, I said there was policy movement and industry alignment, and we're sort of dedicated to those two things. Data exchanges, actually, it's a little bit of both, but policy movement has really been the key sort of focus of our work. And what we tried to do, and what we, I think we effectively did, was to move policy in the California state legislature that would enable large-scale health information sharing and data sharing. So we, along with our partners, Blue Path Health, built a coalition of a huge number of stakeholders. It started small, and it's just absolutely grown since then. We have some great partners over at Blue Path Health, Timmy Leslie, Robbie Franceschini, and others who've done a fantastic job of building a coalition that ultimately was able to support getting legislation passed to enable large-scale health information exchange in California. So that passed last year. This year and sort of the work going forward is really going to be about shaping and informing the data sharing framework that the state will issue as a result of that legislation. The coalition is called Connecting for better health. And it brings together, you know, the innovation ecosystem. It brings together health plans like, like Blue Shield of California, it brings together provider groups, both small providers and large provider systems, right? Really getting all aspects of the industry together in one room to think about like, what are our key objectives with data sharing? What are we trying to do here? And how can we drive policy and, and change? And then 
support the implementation of that policy in a way that makes a meaningful difference in the lives of, again, our providers and our members, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we're people. We're not members of Blue Shield of California. We're just people, right? And so I think that is one of the beautiful parts of being able to work together with this. It's really able to bring together all of these oftentimes competing interests to come together and really collaborate to make a meaningful difference in people's lives, not, again, not the lives of Blue Shield members, but the lives of everybody, of all Californians. Yeah, and I bet that that sense of accomplishment at the end of it, once you have a piece of legislation that you've worked together to get passed, then creates a different sort of environment in which to see collaboration in other areas too, ideally. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Just moving right along here, we got also the payment innovation aspect here, you know, obviously another a tricky area. And I, I'm sure that the challenges there also vary based on the kind of payment models that we're talking about. But I am curious how the industry initiative team sort of factors into that effort would have been some of the most impactful conversations or, or legislation as well that you've worked towards around payment innovation that you've seen emerge from this team. So the payment innovation body of work is my baby. That's the one that I lead. The team sort of splits up the programs, the, the data exchange, the social terms of health, and the payment innovation is sort of split evenly across our team. So payment innovation is my baby. I am so passionate about this. Not a lot of people out there are passionate about value-based payments. So I could <laughs> go on and on about this one. But yes, Blue Shield of California is testing a number of value-based payment models on a number of different areas of the system, both you know specialty and on where we're focused right now is primary care. So so I mentioned that there are a number of sort of industry misalignment factors, perverse competition, all of these things that I mentioned earlier that get in the way of being able to implement and scale payment models that we know work, that there's really good evidence behind. Primary care is actually one of those areas where we have a lot of evidence about what payment should look like, can and should look like for primary care. There was a really big and, and wonderful report issued out of the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine last year called Implementing High-Quality Primary Care. It's my understanding is what that title is. And it recommended a specific type of payment for primary care. It said default payment should be hybrid. So really trying to introduce more value, a little bit of capitation into the way that we pay primary care, right? We, we want to make sure that we're investing in primary care. Also want to make sure they have a prospective, reliable, flexible funding stream coming in to support all of the work that we ask them to do. Primary care takes on a lot for our healthcare system. I mean, way more than I think a lot of people recognize or understand. If you look at the U.S. investment in primary care relative to our peer countries, it's abysmal, frankly. We spend roughly half, maybe a little less on primary care as a country than, again, all of our other countries that are at that same level of development, which really goes to I think speak to some of the power dynamics that exist in our ecosystem. I say all this to provide context. Blue Shield of California, in line with those recommendations out of that report last year, implementing, we are implementing a hybrid payment model. It can get really technical, but at, at its highest level, it's a value-based payment model for primary care that endeavors to provide them, again, with reliability and financing so they know what dollars are coming in every month, as opposed to every month having to sort of manage the money that's coming in, try to figure out what could be coming in. COVID it actually really increased, I'd say, the urgency behind why value-based payment in primary care is so critical. You know, doors shut. They weren't able to see patients. And what that meant is that revenue dried up. The California Healthcare Foundation, a couple of years ago, I think now, issued a report that said about a third of primary care providers in California reported that they were worried they were going to close their doors permanently. Mm -hmm. 
a third of our primary care workforce could have gone out of business. I mean, a lot did, I mean, but almost a third could have. So I think that's a really alarming figure. And again, it's more context for why Blue Shield of California decided to roll out this value-based payment model for our providers. But again, getting back to my earlier point, the California marketplace is very competitive. There's no one actor, particularly outside of the integrated care, the large entity that manages integrated care in California. Outside of that, you know, there's no single actor at Blue Shield included who's able to, to really drive the change as a whole that we want to see. So as we go toward these providers and so we say, look, you can earn up to 50% more in this payment model. We're investing in you. There are still a lot of questions about why, you know, there's a lot of cultural embedded mindset around fee-for-service and and why that's useful, there's a lot of muscle memory around fee-for-service and the way that care is delivered as a result of that type of payment system. So anyway, you know, we go to these providers and they say, okay, well, where where are all the other payers? I have, say, two, three, four thousand people coming to my practice. I only have like 100, 200, 300 of those that are Blue Shield members. It's not worth it to me to change the way that I deliver care for all of those thousands of people when I'm only actually getting paid differently for a pretty small chunk. And so with that said, they said, okay, where are the other payers? Can you ask the other payers to come to the table and try to do something similar? That way I'm getting paid in a same way for a larger share of my patients. I can actually transform my practice. I can focus on the same quality measures, the same metrics. So I know that I don't have to report these 15 to one plan, these 20 to another plan, these 20 to another plan. I mean, that's maddening for a provider. It really is. So that's sort of the genesis behind we decided, okay, let's go talk to the other payers, the industry initiatives. That was our charge. Bring these other payers to the table, show them the evidence show them what we've learned about our experience with this payment model. So that there's really clear guidance around how this should work and why it is effective in achieving the goals that we want to see. And so one of the things I'm most proud of over the last year is we funded two partner organizations, California Quality Collaborative, an initiative within the Purchaser Business Group on Health, PBGH, and the Integrated Healthcare Associations, both with a lot of credibility with providers and payers in the state to bring the payers together and say, look, we're all around one table. We know this is the way that we should be changing payment for primary care to make sure that you know primary care has the resources and the reliability to do the job that they need to do and to focus on health equity, to focus on closing care gaps for our most vulnerable people. Right now, they're not paid to do that for the most. And the way that we change payment achieves that goal. So bringing these payers together at several months, really, but at the end of May, all of our big payers came together. So Anthem, United, Aetna, HealthNet, Oscar and Blue Shield of California collectively decided that we would do this work together. We would invest in our primary care, increase investment, most importantly. We would pay our primary care providers differently, again, so they have that reliability. We would measure them in the same way, and we'd be transparent about the way that we do that so that there's collective accountability, right? And then we also have to provide some type of practice transformation support so that they have the infrastructure and the resources to achieve the goals that the payment is intended to achieve. So we signed this memorandum of understanding among us as big plans to say, we'll do this work together and we're gonna set out and we're now in sort of phase two, which is figuring out how do we do this? Now that we've committed, how do we implement? But it's just a huge win. I mean, it's the biggest effort of its kind across the country, certainly voluntary. I mean, there's places elsewhere in the country where it's been mandated that this happened, but the California plan stood up together and said, let's do this because we know it's the right thing to do. And, and it was really largely because of the funding that industry initiatives provided to these partner organizations. So I'm really proud of that work. It's, it's been great to see it come to fruition. 
Yeah, the industry kind of collaboration. A lot of times we talk about the industry collaboration between providers and payers, but if only one payer is doing something, then how is there going to be any real change going forward? And on that note, I just have one follow-up question. I mean, that's for primary care, but then obviously there's this question of then you have, you know, specialty care and all this other type of care. What do you foresee as the next step in those areas? Is there any conversation yet where there's some open doors there as well? Yeah, you know, I'll say that internally, there's a lot of conversation about what the next frontier for our payment innovation collaborative work should be. I think there's a lot of consensus that primary care is where we needed to start, in part because there's a lot of urgency, right? I mentioned that study about primary care closing, lots of market consolidation in primary care. Like there are direct threats to primary care that we had to address. So that's why we started there. But yes, absolutely. I think there's a lot of specialty care that we need to go out and and figure out how we collectively tackle together. Specialty care is a huge source of cost. And I don't think anybody would argue that we have an affordability crisis in this country. We have an access crisis in healthcare as well. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that's most pressing, if I can say that, is the affordability crisis. And a lot of that comes back to what's the cost of care? A primary care, like I said earlier, is not the biggest cost. It's these other, you know, actors and facilities and groups, you know, in which specialists fall. So yes, at Blue Shield California, we're testing some value-based payment models in specialty spaces. So we're testing, we're seeing what works. And then once we have that evidence in place, we'll hopefully be able to leverage the momentum that we've built on the primary care side to say, look, we have this, the work is going, it's hopefully, you know, in a couple of years, it's sort of in a self-sustaining space. How do we leverage that to start to work together on, on specialty care as well? And I think there's other opportunities out there, but I think the next frontier is absolutely specialty care. I mean, I, you know, when I think of specialists, I think of, you know, cardiologists, for example, I think are, are a really good example of where we could find opportunities to make cardiologists' lives easier while also addressing, you know, some of the larger disparities in, in terms of where our dollars flow and, and why we don't see the outcomes in healthcare that we should for the amount that we spend on it as a country. <laughs> Great. Well, we could camp out there for a while, but I do want to hit this last priority, which is social determinants of health, which is obviously as broad as the community that you're working in for any organization, that's the truth. And it's an area in which a lot of stakeholders have to be involved, again, beyond even just payers and providers. And so I'm curious about, you know, what have been some of the biggest takeaways for the industry initiatives in this area as well? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. So we hired a new colleague, relatively new, I guess she's a little bit in now, Muriel Lemoy. So that's our three team members, Shruti, myself, and Muriel, in order of hiring, actually. <laughs> and Muriel is who leads our social driver, social determinants of health. I know there's a lot of sort of back and forth about the most appropriate term to use. I'll just go with SDOH. So with our SDOH work, we have a community health team that we support. So on the value based payment side, we have a payment innovation team that we work with. You know, those are the subject matter experts that we use to guide sort of where we think the industry should go. Our community health team is who manages sort of our community partnerships and, and sort of the vehicles or the media that we use to address SDOH and equity. Our community health team is who leads those programs. So we collaborate with that team to say, okay, what has Blue Shield done in this space? What has Blue Shield done around community health workers? What has Blue Shield done around data exchange between community-based organizations, for example, that social service entity, and then healthcare proper, which is more what you think of, of you know, clinical settings, right? Or even as a health plan, what are the ways that we've supported innovative exchange of data? Payment models, I mean, is another good example. So I say all that to say, that we're doing a lot in the SDOH space. And so our challenge, I'd say, is to distill down 
what is the most effective? What is right for scale? The great thing about healthcare that also makes it challenging is that healthcare is very local. So what may work in one community may not work in another community. And as health plans, we have to be responsive to that. We can't expect communities to meet us where we are. We are institutions of power. The onus is on us to meet communities where they are. And that, of course, challenges the historical paradigm of where power sits in healthcare. And I think that's something that Blue Shield is is ready to confront. One of the big areas that we're working on right now is, again, these community partnerships. So thinking within social determinants of health, what should the role of a health plan be in supporting communities and the organizations that have trust and credibility with their communities? So not Blue Shield coming in, telling a community, this is what we think is most effective or, or what your community should do, but really putting communities in the driver's seat to say, this is what our community needs. And this is the role you as Blue Shield of California or as a payer can and should play to support our community and, and the objectives that we have for the health and well-being of our communities. And a lot of times that comes back to addressing those upstream factors, food insecurity, housing insecurity. A lot of these things fundamentally undermine any other initiative we might have to improve the health of those communities. If they don't have access to healthy food, they don't have access to transportation, our other interventions just aren't likely to be that successful. So our community health team led by Shannon Cosgrove, Blue Shield of California is doing lots of amazing work in this space. And again, Industry Initiatives is partnering with them to figure out where are all these initiatives and these mission, these objectives that I'm describing, where are the programs that are right for scale? Community health workers, I think, are a really good example of an initiative that we think is right for scale. Now, how those community health workers are deployed is an open question. And I think that is a really good example of where we can talk with other payers, other provider organizations, community-based organizations, again, putting those communities front and center around where are there opportunities for us to, to partner and to do this work in a way that's that makes sense for you as a community. Mm-hmm. Community health workers are one, uh, a lot of it data, I think is another huge one. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say that payment is another big piece. When we think about sustaining some of these programs over time, I mean, resourcing and avoiding some of the things that I think we've experienced in the value-based payment space, which is one plan comes with one set of expectations. For a provider organization, for that's hard enough, but for a community organization that doesn't even have the resources that a, com- a provider group might, like that's even harder. We can't have Blue Shield and Anthem and Aetna and United and all these others coming to a community-based organization saying, look, here's what I expect for this slice of, you know, the people that you work with. Like we have to really come together and avoid the pitfalls that we had in value-based payment and and do, do it differently with communities. Again, putting communities front and center, helping them really direct the work and as stakeholders aligning around that direction. So that's what we're trying to do. Thank you. And when other organizations that maybe their healthcare leaders are hearing this right now and they're saying, wow, having someone dedicated to industry collaboration on our team might be a good way to go if they don't already have that. What would you say to an organization that's looking to move in that direction about first steps or any insights that you have to share on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. So one of the things we hear when we have, I mean, we're basically entirely external facing. We do consult with our internal subject matter partners, as I mentioned, community health, payment innovation as examples of those internal partners. But we, for the most part, we are external facing. So we work with a lot of different stakeholders across the industry. And one of the biggest things we hear is, I've never heard of something like this. I've never heard of a team like industry initiatives. Like, (laughs) where did this come from? How did you guys get this idea? It's so novel. It's so exciting. And I 
that's one of the most validating pieces of feedback I can get because I feel that way. I feel like what we're doing is cutting edge and for healthcare, you know, an old kind of stodgy industry being cutting edge can be, you know, can be difficult. It can be a challenging space to be in, but to be welcomed, I think has been magnificent. So I say all that to say like, we don't know of any organizations. If you're listening to this and you know of an organization that is doing this work, I would absolutely love to connect with them because in our experience, it is cutting edge. And so it's a smaller sample, right? But we'd love to see organizations hire folks to do this. I think to figure out how you do that ultimately comes down to what your organization's priorities are. For us, equity was chief among them. And when you think about payment, when you think about social determinants of health, when you think about data, a lot of that comes back to equity and the ability to improve equity for our country's most vulnerable, right? A lot of times primary care is a great example. Sometimes the principal, if not only point of access for our most vulnerable people. So how do we shift the way that primary care is delivered so that it's focused on equity, right? So that's an example of, you know, a, a guiding principle that Blue Shield chose to sort of flow down from there. Okay, so what feeds into equity? Those three things that I mentioned, SDOH, payment, data. So let's build a program around industry alignments specifically or policy event in the case of data, specifically targeted toward those three areas. So as another organization, I think that's a question that you have to ask at the highest level of the organization because fundamentally, the work that a team that's dedicated to industry alignment does has to be explicitly tied to the strategic objectives of the organization, again, at the highest level. Otherwise, you know, I think there will be a lot of questions about the need or the validity or, you know, why have a team like this if it's not directly feeding into our larger objectives as an organization? So I think that's the starting place. You know, leaders have to come together, figure out what's our one, two, three. You have more resources, maybe it's more topics, but start there. And then figure out, you know, go and hire somebody like Shruti, who is really able to build these advocacy campaigns and sort of expand the table and bring diverse stakeholders together. That, I think, is key as well, is making sure that the people that you're working with aren't the business as usual type of people. Those people have to be at the table, but to really respond and to make a meaningful difference, communities the innovation ecosystem, right? These players, patient advocates, huge. I mean, I think a lot of times consumers and patient advocates get left out of the conversation in healthcare. Um, and that's a real flaw, in my opinion, and it's a huge oversight. So you know, bringing all these folks together that may not have institutional power in the way that a large health system or a large health plan like Blue Shield of California has, bringing all of those folks to the table and figure out like, how do we do this work together? Once we've set our priorities, once we've set our objectives, go out and bring all those people together to figure out how you do it and do it well. Joe, thank you so much for sharing all of these insights and these thoughts. And I hope that that's probably been compelling to some of our listeners here. And thank you so much for coming on to Healthcare Strategies. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Kelsey. Listeners, we would love to hear your insights on this topic as well. So if you have any thoughts that you'd like to share or any questions or topics that you think that we should cover in future episodes, please reach out to me at kwadill at intelligentmedia.com. That's K-W-A-D-D-I-L-L at intelligentmedia.com to share your thoughts. And also don't forget to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Thanks for listening. This has been an Intelligent Healthcare Media production. 